wish somebody that believed that tonight would open your mouth and shout up in this place tonight that I have no reason. I have no reason to fear. Woo! Anybody grateful you serve a God that's bigger than anything you can face tonight? He's greater than your mountains. He's greater than your valleys. He's greater than your darkest night. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands tonight and give him some praise in this place. Whoa. High five about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them I have no reason to fear. Woo. Put some gravy on it. How many of you know the devil ain't nothing but a wolf? I remember one old apostolic song that said, we're not afraid of the big bad. Oh, wait, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> that was a different songbook I read that one out of. But I came to let the devil know tonight we ain't afraid of you. You can huff and puff and blow all you want to, but my life is built on the foundation of the Word of God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. You can be seated. Amen. Want to say what a privilege it is tonight to have all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us? Come on, would you help me welcome them on a Tuesday night? We're so excited that you joined us uh, here at the Rock Church on Tuesday night. We're excited about what God's going to do. And, uh, and I want to welcome uh, another person into the house of the Lord that's been coming here since about February 1st. And uh, I just haven't had the, the proper opportunity uh, to welcome them, but I want to do that tonight. And uh, as a matter of fact, they have relatives uh, that are here at, at this church. Um, well, to be more specific, their mom and dad go to church here. And, and so they, they, mom and dad been bringing them to church um, but you ain't had a chance to meet them yet. And, and, but I, I want to tonight officially welcome. Baby Sloss. Congratulations to brother Trevor and sister Morgan Sloss. Come on, let's give God a praise tonight. Woo! <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Amen. We're so excited, excited, excited. Amen about that tonight. Congratulations. Amen. Amen. 
Woo! That little baby probably gonna come out singing. Ooh, yeah. Mama, 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 mama. Yeah, <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody having a good time in the house of the Lord tonight? Are you grateful for what God did in this house on Sunday? My God, Sunday morning after the Holy Ghost finished moving, we baptized five more people in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. Every single one of them received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Several more received the Holy Ghost in the altar Sunday morning. That's all right, Sister Pam, go ahead and run the house tonight. I wish I had about 10 young people that would join her, not let her run all by herself tonight. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory, glory, glory! And then we, we, we didn't even get church started tonight. Uh, and, and I think it's Kirshon was baptized in Jesus' name uh, for the remission of her sins and came out of the water speaking in other tongues. Uh, and she's here tonight. I think we ought to give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Devil thought he had me. He thought I was dead. He thought that. and get bangers and pole sliders and you get that in a minute but you can lose out with God sitting on a church pew and the devil be warm in his hands but I like the way David said it when he said my feet almost stumbled when I saw the prosperity of the wicked he said until I went into the house of the Lord the devil thought he had me. The devil thought he had me. But I got away. Tell your neighbor I got away from him. Tell your neighbor the Lord delivered me. Tell your neighbor he brought me out. He brought me over. He pulled me through. He put my feet on straight. 
Come on, give him a praise tonight if they got the victory in this house. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Brother Julian, the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm going to make it. I'm going all the way. I've crossed the line. I got a made up mind. Give him a praise in this place. Hallelujah. Glory. Y'all messing up my preaching time tonight. Y'all messing up my preaching time tonight. Woo. I don't even know where we're at in the service. Tell your neighbor, don't you dare miss next Sunday. It's going to be on and popping up in here for Friends and Family Day. Listen, there should be a social media piece out in the next day or so. When that thing hits your Instagram, your Facebook, or whatever, you need to grab that thing, forward it to everybody you know. You ought to just go ahead and put about $20 on it and boost your post. Tell everybody you don't want to miss what's going to happen in here on Sunday. It's going to be crazy. Amen, somebody. Did anybody come ready for the word of the Lord in this place tonight? Grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Luke tonight. Luke chapter number 8 is where you'll find my assignment tonight. Luke the 8th chapter is where I will be reading the word of the Lord from in this house tonight. Amen. I want to obey the Holy Ghost. Now, how many of you came and you've got a pen and paper or at least a note app on your phone or your iPad? Amen. I know I just, last week, I made sure we understood the importance of not being on our phone during church. The only exception is if you're taking note uh, uh, notes on your note app. Now listen, don't be lying against the Holy Ghost. Talking about, I was just taking notes. We don't need no Ananias and Sapphira situations up in here. <laughs> Amen. But I, I, I encourage you tonight to, to by, by any means necessary, take some good notes, amen, because it's not the jumping and shouting that's going to keep you the rest of the week living for God. When you get done jumping and shouting, your feet better land on some solid stuff to stand on. Amen, somebody. And so we, we want to, to build our life on the word of the Lord Luke chapter 8, verse number 4. Now, I'm going to give you a note to take. Uh, 
if, if you're writing notes, write Luke chapter 8, verse 4. But right next to it, I want you to write Matthew chapter 13. And the reason is, is because Matthew chapter 13 is the synoptic parallel to the book of Luke chapter 4. And I don't have the time tonight to delineate the differences and all of the nuances between both of the texts. But I'm going to do my best to synthesize these two texts that are the same story from two different perspectives together. And so when you get home tonight, read uh, the account out of the book of Matthew. I'll refer to it uh, throughout uh, the sermon tonight. But I want to read from Luke chapter 8 verse number 4. It says, and when much people were gathered together and they were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. Now let me stop there because this is important to understand. Jesus at this point in his ministry begins to place specific emphasis on parabolic teaching. Now he's doing this because it is a way for him to conceal uh, truths that carry a weight of and, and an impetus of um, decision making from people who are not yet ready for it. It's almost an act of mercy because once you hear the truth, you've got a responsibility to do something with it. And so he uses parables to uh, both conceal and to reveal. And so it says that he spake by a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried and said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said unto you, It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this he explains to them exactly what the parable means the seed somebody shout the seed is the word of God those by the wayside are they that hear and then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts there's another key to understanding because he lets them know that the ground is their heart. 
lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring forth no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. One more verse of scripture tonight, the book of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1. And it simply says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And for a few moments tonight, I want to teach, preach about the theology of the ground. The theology of the ground. Would you put your Bibles down and one more time offer unto the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place tonight? Come on. Let's thank God for his presence. Let's thank God for his word tonight. Hallelujah. If you promise to preach with me, you may be seated tonight. It is important to note tonight that as Jesus unfolds this parable, that he uses a particular vernacular that lends itself to a thematic principle in scripture. We find that oftentimes in the ministry of Jesus and throughout the word of the Lord that there are particular themes that God uses in order to help us understand the principles of God's word. There are third dimensional uh, examples and uh, words and language and syntax that is used to communicate fifth dimensional patterns and revelation to God's people. He uses the tangible and the visible to oftentimes describe what is non-tangible, what is invisible to us. And such is the case in our text. For example, you will find in the word of the Lord that the scripture often uses uh, language that has to do with building in order to paint a picture for us, something that we can relate to in order to further understand uh, the concepts of the kingdom of God. In one place the Bible says that we are fitly framed together, that we are like parts of a building. And in another verse it says Jesus Christ uh, himself being the chief uh, 
cornerstone. And so the vernacular of building and construction is used throughout scripture to help us grasp the, the revelation and the concepts of the kingdom of God. And so such is the case in our text tonight. Uh, Jesus is using uh, syntax and vernacular that has to deal with agriculture. You understand that the oldest culture in the word of God is agriculture. And I don't have time to get into the etymology of agriculture and different types of culture. But he uses this at a, a vignette as a way to example for us uh, how the kingdom of God works. And so this is the case in Luke uh, uh, chapter number four as he begins to expel this parable uh, unto the people of God. And I want to start tonight by taking note, and if you're writing notes, uh, write this down. He, he ends the parable by saying, he that hath an ear, let him hear. And so the first thing I want to note tonight uh, is that it lets us understand that not everybody that is listening is hearing. Amen. That's why I got five amens in the place tonight. Uh, there's a difference between listening uh, and hearing. Uh, although your auditory uh, mechanical senses uh, might be activated and working, uh, you may not be comprehending uh, or paying attention uh, to the information uh, that is being given. And so uh, he makes a note to say, uh, he that hath an ear, uh, let him uh, here. It is important for you to hear what the word of the Lord is saying. And so he begins to explain to the disciples that the seed is the word of God. And as you dive into the parable, you will quickly find that there are three constants and four variables present in the text. There are three dynamics in the text that are consistent. There is uh, no variableness. There's no changing. And the text also gives us four dynamics that are variable, that there is a, a change in their quality or quantity. And so the first thing that the scripture gives us uh, as a constant is the sower. If you read the parable, you will take note that there is only one sower of seed. It is not three or four different people sowing the seed, but it is one person uh, sowing the seed in the parable. I love the way Paul communicates it to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. Uh, Paul said, I uh, have planted... Apollos watered, uh, but God gives uh, the increase. There's that agricultural terminology again. And so the Apostle Paul literally draws uh, a direct line uh, uh, to preaching the word uh, and teaching the word uh, as an act uh, of planting uh, the seed. And so it could be safely said uh, that there was one preacher. Uh, there was one man of God that was preaching. There was one man of God that was teaching. And so uh, that's the first uh, consistent or constant uh, that is in the text. 
The second constant that we find in the text, are you with me tonight? Is the seed. It was the same seed that was sown by the sower. He did not have a different seed every time that he sowed, but he sowed the exact same seed. It wasn't a preacher preaching a different message. It was a preacher giving the same word. It was God's man preaching and delivering one word that went out. You're with me in the place tonight. And there's something powerful that we need to remember about the word of the Lord. Remember the premise here is that the seed is the word of God. God. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah 55 and 11 concerning the word of God, he said, my word will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish or it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Can I remind us tonight that God's word never fails? I wish I had a preaching church in this place tonight. God's word is certified seed. His word always works. His word is always true. His word never fails. As a matter of fact, the word of the Lord declares that he has exalted his word even above his name. That's how important the word of the Lord is. It's the seed going forth and it's effective seed. It's certified seed. There's no problem with this seed. There's no fault with this seed. There's no question about its potency. There's no question about its fruitfulness. There's no question concerning its potential. It is the seed of God's word. And I'll take it a step further because John 1 and 1 declares unto us uh, that in the beginning was the Word, uh, the seed. uh, And the Word was with God. uh, And the Word was God. I wish I had some Bible readers in the place. Why is that significant? Because James 1 and 17 says uh, that in him uh, there is no variableness uh, nor shadow uh, of turning. Uh, He's consistent. Uh, He's accurate. Uh, He's thorough. Uh, He's complete. Uh, God's word has no variableness in it. Uh, It has no shadow. God's word uh, does not prefer one thing over the other. His word uh, does not discriminate. Uh, His word uh, I wish I had a, a Uh, shouter in the building. Uh, His word doesn't discriminate uh, whether you live in the hood uh, or you live in a mansion. Uh, His word is the same. Uh, His word is consistent. Uh, I don't care if you drove here uh, in an Uber uh, or on a bike uh, or in the bus uh, or if you rolled up in a Mercedes. uh, The word of God is the same for every person uh, in the building. Uh, The word of the Lord doesn't care uh, if you got Gucci or Frucci. It doesn't care if you're wearing Prada or Gata. All the word of the Lord knows is that it 
it's for whosoever will. His word has no variableness nor shadow of turning. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 says, being born again, that we are born again, listen, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Ooh, by the word of God. His word is incorruptible. It's infallible. It's pure. It's true. It's faithful. I wish I had a witness in the building. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. His word always works. And so we understand that, that it is the same sower. Tell your neighbor the same sower. And it is the same seed that is given by the sower. And the seed is the word of God. And then we find a third constant in the text. If you're taking notes, uh, write it down. The third constant of the text uh, is that they all had uh, the same opportunity. The opportunity uh, was the same uh, for everybody in uh, the text. Uh, ooh, I wish I had a, a shouter in the building tonight. Uh, The opportunity was the same. The variable was not the sower. And the variable was not the seed. And the variable was not the opportunity. That's why it blows my mind that we can have a church service and it's the same sower and it's the same seed and somebody will walk out of the house of the Lord and say, my God, God spoke to me. God blessed me. God delivered me. God did a work in my life and in the same service with the same sower and the same seed somebody else will walk out and that's the dumbest preaching I ever heard in my life that's a great I didn't get nothing out of church tonight they might as well have closed their book they might have let me preach to you baby it wasn't the sower and it wasn't the seed and it wasn't the opportunity that was the variable in the situation I know some of y'all can't shout amen Ain't it something, Brother Collins, same sower, same seed. And while somebody's receiving the Holy Ghost in the altar, somebody's going out complaining about everything that happened in the church service. I know, I know y'all can't jump and shout with me right now, but hold on a second. Uh, ain't it something, Brother Antoine, uh, that God will move in a powerful way? Uh, and while somebody's over here getting their healing, uh, somebody else is on the phone uh, talking about all the problems. Uh, oh, I can't believe it. They played this. Uh, he said that. Uh, they didn't do that right. Uh, they didn't hear me, somebody. The variable uh, is not the sower, Brother Julian. Uh, it's not the seed, uh, but it's, and it's not the opportunity. Uh, but the variable uh, is in the ground uh, that the seed uh, fell on. Yeah. 
Come on, I need some theologians in the building uh, that have already connected the dots and understand uh, that the the ground, uh, the word of the Lord said, uh, was the heart uh, of man. Uh, It's not a preacher problem. Uh, It's not a sermon problem. Uh, It's not an opportunity problem. Uh, It is a heart uh, issue uh, that makes the difference uh, in what yields uh, in the field. That's why Jesus could be in one place while they mocked him and somebody else was delivered. It wasn't the sower. It wasn't the seed. It was the heart condition of the person that the seed fell on the ground. Woo! Tell your neighbor, you better check your ground. We've got to check our hearts. Uh Uh-huh. The variable was the ground. And so here's what Jesus tells us. Number one, he refers to the ground as the heart of man. And the first heart condition he describes is a condition that he calls the wayside. Write that down if you're taking notes. It's the wayside. And the second heart condition that he describes is a rock, or Matthew says, a stony place. A condition where the heart is full of stones. You've heard of kidney stones? The Bible talks about heart stones. Uh huh. The third heart condition that the Word of the Lord declares unto us is, he calls it being among thorns, a thorny heart condition. And then, of course, the fourth condition that Jesus explains to us is a heart that is good ground. Can I preach for a moment in this place tonight? As we begin to ponder and read the scripture, he talks about the sower sowing a seed that fell on the wayside. Now what's important to understand about the wayside is that the wayside means that it's not a particular spot, but rather it is carelessly placed. Things end up on the wayside when people don't understand the value of what it is. Let me talk to you in a way you might understand it. Have you ever had your child uh, at Walmart with you or Target uh, or or maybe the Dollar Tree? uh, Pick your poison. uh, And they beg and you say, please, can you buy this for me? Uh, Please, would you buy this? And you're like, no, no, please, I'll buy it for me. Mom, and so you buy that thing for them. uh, And and all of a sudden, uh, within 30 minutes, you find it thrown off in the corner. And you pick it up and say, hey, what's this? Oh, I'm sorry, pick it up. And then 20 minutes later, you find it over here on the sidewalk. 
and then and then a day later you find it outside uh, until finally uh, in a few days they can't even find the thing uh, what happened uh, it fell by the wayside why uh, because they didn't have a revelation uh, of the value uh, of what they held uh, in their hand uh, they had no vested interest in it uh, it had no value to them uh, and what you do not value uh, you will cast uh, to the wayside uh, and he said there are some people uh, whose hearts uh, are in a situation uh, where I'm giving them the word of the Lord uh, but they don't value uh, what's coming to them uh, and so they take uh, what I'm giving them uh, and they throw it uh, on the wayside I'm going to preach for a moment I'm just going to pick up a little bit from last Tuesday that's why some people can sit on their phones throughout the church service messing around texting and on social media and, and it, why? Because they have no value system. Uh, they have a lack of revelation uh, concerning the value uh, of the word of the Lord. Uh, come on somebody. Uh, it's not the sower. Uh, it's not the seed. Uh, it's the wayside. Uh, it's people that don't understand. Uh, God wants to speak to me. Uh, God's got answers for me. Uh, God got direction for me. Uh, God's got revelation. Uh, I better pay attention. I want what God has for me. Give it to me God. Lord if they're going to leave it laying around. Give it to me God. I want it in my life. Come on I came to preach about the theology of the ground. There's some people in the building. God said it's time for you to quit being a wayside Christian. It's time for you to mature and get a revelation concerning the value of of the word of the Lord in your life. Wayside Christians. Brother Keith have no problem getting up in the middle of the sermon and dipping for 10 minutes and finding excuses not to be in the house of the Lord. Why? Because they don't have no value associated with it. When you see people out in the lobby camped out hanging out, having conversations during church service, I'll tell you where they're at. They're on the wayside. Because if they had the Holy Ghost working in them, uh, they would understand the eternal value uh, of the word of the Lord that's going forth uh, in the sanctuary. Uh, they wouldn't so casually uh, dismiss uh, what God's trying to do in the house. Uh, they wouldn't so casually uh, remove themselves uh, from the place. Uh, I'm not worried. Uh, I'll catch up later. Uh, I'll watch it later on YouTube. Uh, no! Uh, when the word comes forth, uh, God, I don't want it to fall uh, by the wayside in my life. Uh, God, I value uh, your truth uh, and your word uh, that's in my life. I'm preaching about the theology of the ground. Hallelujah. Let me just throw this in here for free tonight, okay? If somebody runs out of here complaining about what I said, that's because they're the guilty ones. You throw a rock at a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that... Most of the time, the biggest complainers are the biggest violators of the truth being preached. Come on, somebody. 
And then you wonder why you're frustrated and you wonder why you're struggling with this and you wonder why you're always upset. It's not the sower. And no matter how much you want to blame the preacher, it's not the seed. No matter how much you want to blame the seed, it's a ground condition. I don't care how good the word is. I don't care how good the preacher is. If your heart isn't in the right place, his word can't Come on, I don't know where we got around thinking uh, that church is like going through a drive through uh, like going to McDonald's, uh, and I'm going to pick and choose what I want off the menu, uh, and I'm going to find something that, uh, that the flavor of the day. Uh, I don't feel like a milkshake today. Uh, I want it with no onions. Uh, I want it without peppers. Uh, uh, no, uh, the word of the Lord isn't a buffet. Uh, the word of the Lord isn't something uh, that you get to toss what you don't like. Uh, I'm preaching real good right now, Brother Keith. I'm afraid too many people have fallen into this modern day trap of trying to turn preaching into entertainment and pleasure. I got a word for you. Second, is it 2 Timothy chapter 4? Where Paul instructs him and says, preach the word. You know what he said, Brother JJ? Be instant in season and out. You know what a lot of people try to, they misinterpret that and say, that means if I'm a preacher, I got to be ready to preach at all times because you never know. That's not what that scripture means. What it means is it's not always a convenient season for that seed to be sown in the ground. What it means is, Timothy, be ready to preach what I tell you, whether they're ready to receive it or whether they're not ready to receive it. Don't regard, you know what, come on, can I get a witness? If you read your Bible, you'd find a verse over there that says the one that regards the wind will never sow a seed. The farmer that's always trying to find the right moment, he'll just never count. He said, don't you do that. Preach the word, Timothy. Be instant. Do what I tell you to do. Preach what I tell you to preach. Whether they want to hear it or whether their flesh despises it. Preach the word. Now let me biblically define what he says preaching is. Because some of y'all, the only kind of preaching you like is come sell him a Honda. Come tie my bow tie. Kickstart a Kawasaki. Woo! Eddie idea. If you don't know what that is, that spells Eddie. But you know what he said? Reprove. Rebuke. And exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Some of us love the exhort part, but we bow up over a reprove and a rebuke. That's not a sower issue, that's not a seed issue, it's a ground issue. I can't get no help in the building. I said, I can't get no, why he got to preach like that? Why do he got to say that? Why? Because it's the word of the Lord and I'm not your man. I'm God's man. I'm not preaching for your poll approvals. I'm preaching for the approval of God. My 
job isn't just to make you feel good. Sometimes my job is to preach sin out of your life. Sometimes my job is to confront spirits of rebellion and spirits of disunity. Come on, I'm not a candy man preacher. I'm not the snow cone man. I'm a man of God. God help us with churches trying to chain preachers. You ought, to, you ought to make sure your man of God always knows. Preach the word, man of God. Give it to me the way God said give it to me. If it makes me feel good, thank you, Jesus. If it makes me upset, I probably need to be made upset. If it makes me, come on, come on. I'm in the word of the Lord. I don't want to get off on 30 minutes down this rabbit trail. If it provokes me to repent, then thank you, Jesus. If it makes me turn around. I'm not a hireling. I don't prostitute my office or the gift in my life. Jesus preached. See, some of y'all are so hypocritical. You'll criticize a preacher in the pulpit. You wouldn't have been able to handle Jesus' ministry. There was one time Jesus was preaching a sermon. Brother Hammond and his own disciples got up and left. And when he asked them about it later, they said, those are some hard sayings. Some of us need a fresh baptism and pray through in the altar until we can receive hard sayings of God in our life. Preach the word. You know why he said that? He said, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all lungs of a doubt. For the time will come where men will not endure. I don't have to listen to this kind of preaching. This is a good excuse for me to get up and get a drink of water. This is a good excuse for me to get up and find something to do in the lobby. This is a good excuse for me to come. I'm not feeling well. I can't make it. Come on, somebody. You better start preparing uh, and checking the condition. uh, There's coming a day where men uh, will not endure uh, sound doctrine. What will they do? Uh, They will heap to themselves uh, teachers uh, having itching ears. Uh, Come on. uh, Say something that makes me feel good. Uh, Come on. uh, Just say something uh, that's smooth, uh, that's easy, uh, that's Paul said, no, Timothy, preach the word. The wayside, carelessly, they don't see the value in the seed. Or maybe they got a problem with the sower. I'll receive that from somebody else, but I won't receive it from them. Like the good book says, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) Not the Bible, but I'm sure it's written in a book somewhere. 
Here's, here's what Matthew says about the wayside. He says, they cast it away, understanding it not. Matthew said, they don't even know what they got in your hands. It would do some of y'all good to really get a fresh revelation of what God's given us in this house. When you don't understand the value of what's in your hand, you mistreat it. You don't take care of it the way you should. You don't handle it and cherish it the way that you should. Matthew said, they understood not. And then it says that it was trotted down. That means that it was treated casually. You know what I think of when I think about trodden down? When we moved to Florida a little over nine years ago, I, I grew up in Colorado, and, 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 and there's something that I still struggle with to this day here in Florida. I, I mean, I still get an attitude about it, and that's grass. You see, because in Colorado, the only way you're going to have a lawn is if you are super intentional about it because it doesn't want to grow there especially in the town I grew up the semi-arid desert environment you ain't going to grow no you know what's going to grow in your yard just weeds that's it grass doesn't grow if you're going to have grass for the Collins you got to remove a layer of dirt you got to go buy topsoil and bring it in then you got to go get special fertilizer I mean, you're spending a bunch of money before you ever put seed in the ground. You got to get it just right. And then you got to buy the best seed that you can possibly afford. And you probably got to put three times as much as anybody else somewhere else, hoping that, that some of it survives the desert conditions. And then you got to baby that thing. And so you know what we would do? We'd plant it, and we didn't want nobody to mistake it as just dirt, so we would put up barriers around the yard. We would put stakes with ropes and signs that said, do not walk. I mean, we would protect that thing. And, and you got to install a sprinkler system because there ain't enough rain to sustain it. Nature ain't going to keep that grass alive. So you got to put in irrigation systems. And, and if you're too poor to afford that, then you better be out there every three, four hours with a hose uh, watering that thing uh, for an hour and a half. Uh, and, and, and you do that for three, four, five weeks. And you be out there with a the magnifying glass looking for little green sprouts. Hoping something come up. And when you finally get a little teeny patch start to grow, Brother Keith, uh, you'd have somebody over for dinner and you'd be like, come on, I want to show you something. Come check this out over here. Uh, kind of like a 13-year-old boy uh, got his first little chin hairs coming. Uh, put some milk on it, get the cat, just lick it off. Right? And so... You, you, you had to really put in the work uh, if you were going to have grass grow. Uh, and so when you finally got your yard going, uh, it, it's a cardinal sin. Everybody knows uh, that you don't walk on somebody's grass. Why? Because we value uh, how hard and how difficult it was uh, to get it to grow. Uh, and so where I come from, uh, you, you don't, don't you dare walk across uh, somebody's yard to get to the front. Yard what? Uh, you 
better get on that sidewalk. Uh, somebody liable to step out with a pump shotgun uh, and tell you, get uh, off my lawn. How do I know? I was one of them neighbors right there. I was one of them neighbors. I spent all this money, uh, all this time, uh, all this work uh, to try to get, don't you dare put your feet on it. Uh, and, and so I moved to Florida and what do people do? People just park right up on the grass with their car. First time I saw it, I was like, what? I almost passed out. I got mad for the neighbor. I said, what are they doing around here? And after a few months, I started to understand why. Because here, I mean, you mow the grass and three days later, it's like Jesus had rose again. Like, I just mowed that. I know I just mowed that grass. Here, people aren't putting fertilizer, they're putting poison on it. Trying to kill that. God, get off. Stop. Oh, I felt that in the spirit somewhere in the house right there. I felt somebody in the a single mama somewhere was saying, amen, amen. People drive. Watch people pull up in their yard in the grass right to the front door. Got a perfectly good driveway right there. But the, but the grass is 10 feet closer. Too lazy to walk from the driveway to the house. Just park on the grass. But see, when you value the word of the Lord in your life, you, come on somebody, uh, you protect it uh, at all costs. Uh, when you say, hey, you don't even know uh, the work it took uh, to prepare the ground. Uh, you don't even know what I've been through uh, for God to get me in position uh, for something to grow uh, in my, don't you dare uh, walk on the word of God in my life. Uh, don't you dare uh, step all over. Come on, I wish I had a witness. Uh, don't you dare uh, step on it. It means too much to me. Uh, you better stay on the sidewalk. Uh, you better not cross the boundary line. Uh, you better, this means uh, I got too much work. Uh, that's how we've got to be uh, about protecting uh, the word of God in my spirit. That's why I don't have time for foolishness. People try to come to me and marginalize the word of God in my life. And try to marginalize the seed in the sower. Try to, try to put doubt and discouragement and, and, and create division between me and, and the word. You know whose work that is? That's the work of Satan in the Garden of Eden. God gave his word. Boom, 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 boom. What's the enemy do? Did God really say, God doesn't really know what he's even talking about. I mean, did he really? I mean, you don't really have to do that. He, 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 God doesn't know what he, that sounds exactly like the devil. And you know what Eve should have done? She should have said, get on up out of here. You got too close. You're messing with the raw. Wrong. This ain't up for debate. This ain't up for question. I'm not going to entertain. Come on, somebody. You can't be a, a wayside Christian it was trodden down and because of that the Bible says in Luke that the fowls of the air came and took the seed you study scripture anytime you find fowls of the air it's indicative of evil spirits just as quick as the word of the Lord is trying to come to you, the enemy's got fowls of the air 
And if your ground is messed up, he'll swoop right down and take the word of God before it can ever have an effect in your life. Matthew takes it a step further and Matthew describes it as the wicked one, as the devil himself that comes to steal the seed before it can ever take root in your life. Amen, somebody. John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus said this, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God is everything to me. Come on, I can't miss one word of it. I can't get distracted in church. Why? Because I, I can't miss what God's given me. Don't talk to me right now. We can talk after service. Come on, some of y'all need to learn how to put boundaries up in a church service with people. Quit distracting me. Quit bothering me. Why? Because God's trying to give me a word. And his word is more important than yours right now. It's always the wayside Christians wondering why they're struggling. Psalm 119.11, the writer said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Listen to that. Thy word, can I say it like this? Thy word have I buried in my ground. The heart is the ground. Thy word have I hid in my heart. When the seed comes, uh, God, I've got the soil prepared. Uh, I've got a place for it right here. Give me the word, God. Uh, and when the seed lands, uh, I'm going to hide it. Uh, I'm going to bury it uh, because I can't let the foul of the air take it. Uh, i got to make sure it's in a protected place. Uh, i got to make sure uh, that nothing can try to remove it uh, from my life. Uh, lock it up so the thief doesn't take it tell your neighbor that's the first variable was the wayside the second variable and I'm hurrying tonight he says some of the seed fell upon a rock it was a stony place there was no depth of earth and so the book of Matthew says that the sun came up and scorched it because it had no roots and it withered away. It withered away. When you've got a stony heart, the roots have no way to get into the dirt. And when you keep reading the text, it says it springs up for a little while. And then it's gone. These are the people who will shout with you on Tuesday night. And by Thursday, they're on the phone gossiping. These are the folks who are running the aisles on Sunday night. And by Wednesday, uh, they, they lost all their commitment to the kingdom of God. And they got every excuse. What's going on? Uh, they sprung up for a moment uh, when the word hit. Uh, but there's some stony places in the heart. And so the word could never take root. Listen. The sun came up. Well, guess what? The sun is a critical component to a seed growing. Growing. 
But when your seed falls on stony ground, what's meant to grow you destroys you. What's meant to cause a catalyst a photosynthesis inside of you instead causes you to shrivel up and die. And if you're not careful, you'll blame the sun. You'll blame the sower. You'll blame the seed. No, it's the ground that's the problem. The text goes on to describe this place as saying that it has no moisture. It was a place that lacked moisture. This means that there is no maintenance happening. There's no maintenance happening to the ground. Remember, Paul said, I planted another one watered. Listen to me. It's not my responsibility to maintain your garden. Come on. You got to get out there every day. You know what water is a type of in the word of the Lord? It's a type of the spirit. Come on, you got to have Holy Ghost prayer going on in your life. If you're going to see the word of God take root in your life. Come on, I can't pray for you. I can't get in the Holy Ghost for you. Come on, watering is an inside job. Quit expecting something from people that only God can give you. Quit trying to replace Holy Ghost prayer with human friendships and wondering why you're withering up dying on a pew in the church. Come on, I don't care how good the seed is, how perfectly it's placed by the sower. The sun's going to do what it does every day. You've got to maintain the environment in your life. You've got to maintain the condition of your heart. Furthermore, a stony place. You ever tried to pour water on a rock? It doesn't soak in. It just runs off the rock. Holy Ghost falling all over the house. While some people are being filled, other people being killed. Some people are drinking, some people are drowning. Because what's supposed to be in them is covering them. It's a heart condition. When you try to pour water on stony places, it just displaces what it should be absorbing. Anybody who's going to plant something knows one of the first things you have to do is go through and get rid of all the rocks. Get rid of all the rocks. Get rid of all the stones. Get rid of all those things that are going to inhibit the growth of roots, that are going to inhibit the absorption of moisture. Tell your neighbor, you got to get rid of the stony places. Come on. If not, you end up in a dysfunctional cyclic relationship. The seed gets sown. Preach. Woo. Hallelujah. And by the middle of the week, 
You got problems and issues and gossiping and depressed and mad at this person, offended at that person. Trying to make it to the next service. You get to the next service. Trying to scratch the rocks out, dump some water on you, put another seed, start sprouting up, sun comes up, wilts away. No roots in the ground. God did not intend for you to live like that. The Bible says the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Come on. God wants you to live a life that's flourishing. And it's time to stop blaming the seed. And it's time to stop blaming the sower. And it's time to stop blaming the sun. And understand I have a responsibility to maintain the condition of my heart. A stony heart will cause you to get bitter and backslide. I said a stony heart, hardness of the heart, even in the natural hardness of the heart spells uncertain death. Hardening of the arteries, hardening of the heart muscles. As it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. You can only survive so long uh, with your heart being a stony place. uh, And every time you turn around, you're upset uh, and you're angry uh, and you're offended. Come on, somebody. uh, you got to get to a place uh, where you've got a made-up mind. Uh, There's nothing uh, that's going to offend me. Uh, I'm in the book. The Bible says, great peace uh, have they that love thy law, uh, and nothing uh, shall uh, offend them. Come on, you got to live your life uh, in a way that says nobody uh, can run me out of this church. Uh, Nobody can offend me uh, out of this house. Uh, You didn't put me here, uh, and I'm not here for you. Uh, I'm here for God. Uh, There's nothing you can say uh, that'll cause me to get up and leave. Uh, There's nothing you can do. Uh, My relationship with God uh, is built on his word. Uh, It's not built on your emotion. Come on, somebody. Uh, You got to get Get rid of the stony places that are in your heart. Is this all right tonight? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 says it like this. Having the understanding darkened. Having their understanding darkened. I don't want you to skip over that too fast. When we think about revelation and truth, it always congruent with enlightenment. Illumination. So to have their understanding darkened means that there was a depreciation in the quality of their revelation. It means at one point they walked in light. At one point they walked in understanding. But now their understanding has been darkened. There's been a regression of their understanding. And when you keep reading the text, we understand why. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Why did this happen? How did they go from being a person of revelation to having their understanding darkened? 
because of what? The blindness of their heart. Well, if you look up that word blindness in the original, uh, it is the word porosis, which means calloused or hard. What it really means is that their heart has been hardened. And because their heart has been hardened, now they're dealing with blindness. When you allow your heart to become hardened, it creates spiritual blindness in your life. It causes you to have misperception. Somebody better hear this preacher tonight. When you let hardness built up in your heart, it causes you to, to perceive everything in a skewed fashion. In the dark, things aren't always as they appear. In the dark, we think we see things that don't even exist. We misidentify things in the dark. We miss the way we're supposed to be walking in the dark. You see, this is one of the reasons why I believe Jesus. You remember the story where he, he rolled up little balls of, uh, of mud and put them in the eyes of the man that was born blind? And the Bible says that he opened his eyes and Jesus said, what do you see? And he says, I see men as trees. Well, if you're not careful, you'll think, oh, Jesus was practicing and he made a mistake. He didn't get it right on the first try. I do not believe that. I believe that Jesus allowed that to happen so that we would understand it is possible to see and yet not have proper perception. It is possible to be able to see and what you are seeing at is not reality. I believe it is so that he would under, you would understand uh, that your human ability by itself uh, can be deceived uh, and that it is only by a touch from God that you have proper uh, perception uh, and illumination. Come on. See, I can, I can dig way into this because sight has everything to do with light. Without light, there is no sight. That's how your eye works. It's light bouncing off of objects, goes through the lens, uh, it is refracted, uh, and then it focuses on the retina in the back of your eye, and your brain interprets the information. When there is no light, there's no reflection, there is no sight. You think that these lights are what illuminates your sight. But Jesus was the true light that lighteth the whole world. As a matter of fact, in the book of Genesis, he created light before there was a sun before there was a moon before there was a star there was light hear me somebody what am I trying to say you better quit living your life based on the ability of your own perception and understand that if you don't get your heart right you'll never be able to see right people with heart conditions spiritually have eyesight conditions spiritually your sight and your heart are interconnected. That's what the scripture says. Because the hardness, it uses the word blindness, but the original is hardness of their heart. God addresses over and over again the hardness of their heart. They provoked God because of the hardness of their heart. Psalm 51, 16, the writer said, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it, but thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God. 
thou wilt not despise. Here's what Hosea says in chapter 10 and verse 12. In the King James, he says, sow to yourselves in righteousness. There's that agricultural vernacular again. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Who, whose job is it to break up the fallow ground? Quit blaming everybody else for the hardness of your heart. I'm bitter. I'm angry because of what they did. I'm bitter. I'm angry because of what they said. I'm despondent because of the way they treat. No, you're not. You've got a hard heart because you haven't been taking care of your personal walk with God. You know what Jesus would tell you? Cry me a river. You, you don't even know what real offense looks like. Here's what it says in the New Living Translation. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. When he comes with the rain, what condition will your heart be in to receive it? When God's ready to move, when the word's ready to come forth, when God's ready to, to, to do it, what kind of condition is the ground in? You have to get the plow. You have to make it up in your mind. I will not be angry. I will not be bitter. I will not allow my heart to get hardened. If I got to fast, if I got to pray, if I don't care what I've got to do, I lay myself on the altar until I deal with my heart. Here's what God said in Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you an heart of flesh. But first you have to come to God like David did. And say, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. If you're writing notes, write it down. The third variable he called the place of thorns. The Bible says that when the seed fell on the thorny ground, that the thorns came up with it. And eventually, the thorns choked it. And it became unfruitful. This part of the text speaks to the neglect of the condition of our hearts. Sometimes it's not what we do, it's what we don't do. Sometimes it's not sins of commission, it's sins of omission. And you've got to take care of what's growing inside of your heart. Matthew says this, that the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches, that's how he describes the thorns. You see, if the devil can't mess you up with struggle, he'll mess you up with success. If he can't discourage you and choke out your fruitfulness uh, with struggle, uh, then he'll choke you out uh, with worldly success. 
I've often said, don't judge a person's ability to live for God in their failures and their struggles. Wait till they are successful. And then you'll really see what, what happens. You see, because when you, when you broke and ain't got nothing, you ain't got no choice. <laughs> Might as well go to church. I ain't got nothing. I, I can't afford to do nothing else. Might as well go to church. Maybe somebody will invite me to dinner and pay for it. Oh, some of y'all got quiet. I got your number. We get desperate. Oh, God, help me. Help me get out of this. Help me be what you call me. Oh, God. And man, you don't miss a church service. You don't miss prayer meetings. No matter what it takes. But you let somebody become blessed. You let God start dumping out the blessing and now they got options. And now they're comfortable. And now, you know what? Struggles have killed its thousands, but success has killed its ten thousands. That was one of the things he told the church in Revelation. You're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You think you can buy all your answers. You think now you can finance your way into happiness. You think you can vacation your way into joy and fulfillment. You think you can clothe your way into acceptance. Oh, I came to preach to you. Your money can't buy you the things that God gave you. Uh, you'll never replace the joy of the Lord uh, and real happiness uh, and real peace uh, with your success uh, and your money. Uh, you better be careful uh, that the cares of the world uh, don't choke out uh, the word of God in your life. I'm preaching real good. I've seen people who could be faithful to God when they were struggling with money. They were faithful in their tithes and offering, sacrificial giving. And it's the craziest thing. The more God bless them, the less faithful they become. Riched and increased with goods. He said that the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches. But in the middle of the story, I'm hurrying, Matthew introduces Another parable that, that doesn't show up in the book of Luke. And Matthew gives us the parable of the weeds. Verse 24, Matthew 13 says, And another parable put he forth unto them, saying, That the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. While he was sleeping, somebody came into the field and sowed tares. There was intentionality. And while he was watering and saw all that stuff coming up, he thought it was all good. Until there came a certain point of maturation that he realized there's something wrong here. And now I'm dealing with some tares that I didn't even plant. Could I just preach it this way tonight? Not everybody who's sitting at your table has your best interest in mind. Yeah. 
You better be careful uh, about what kind of seeds uh, you're allowing other people uh, to plant in your field. Not everybody should have access to your field. You've got to learn how to protect your spirit and protect your heart because what God has given me and what I'm nurturing and growing, I can't afford for you to come uh, and plant your seeds of bitterness uh, and your seeds of rebellion uh, and your seeds of, come on, uh, I'm not letting you plant those seeds uh, in my spirit uh, so that I end up struggling uh, with the same stuff uh, that you're struggling with. I, I fought the devil too hard with my own battles uh, to have to deal with your nonsense. See, there's an insidious deception about sowing seeds. Because all throughout Scripture, every, all, all the vernacular is sowing seeds, not planting plants. You see, and, and the, the insidious deception here is if, if I lined up 20 seeds and asked you to come identify what these seeds are, almost nobody could identify it by the seed. And so it becomes easy to pass things along as truth and innocence when they're in seed format. It's easy for people to have conversations with you uh, and you don't even know it. They make it sound innocent. Uh, they make themselves sound like a victim. Uh, they make themselves sound, and what are they doing? Uh, they're dropping their little seeds. Uh, why? Because their bitter fruit uh, can only produce after its kind. Lemons can't produce apples. Uh, apples can't produce strawberries. Uh, and so if the fruit of bitterness is in their life, uh, there's only one kind of seed they can drop in your field. But when it's a seed, uh, you don't know what it is. Uh, and they make it look good, sound good, and you give them access to your field. And they start sowing seeds. And here's what the Bible says. There's not a lot of things in Scripture that the Bible specifically says the Lord hates. But there's a short list that God said, I want you to write it down. I hate these things. One of them is sowing discord. So I lost all my shouters in here tonight. Some of y'all clapping and you're guilty. I thank you for clapping. You're, you're an undercover brother. You're an undercover sister. That's all right. Keep clapping as long as you repent before the night's over. And here's the problem. See, if they came to you in plant format, you'd reject it. Hey, man, I don't want weeds in my field, man. Don't, don't bring that over here. But it's always in seed format. And the problem is, come here, brother Keith, help me real quick. They can do it so easy. You're just sitting here chilling, mind your own business. Loving God, loving people, submitted to God, being faithful. And here they come with their bitter fruit. Seeds dropping everywhere. All they got to do is get in close enough proximity to you. And the seeds drop. And they keep walking. But you got a seed planted in the ground. And you won't even notice it right away. But when that thing starts to take root. 
and it starts to grow up and all of a sudden you start wondering why in the world uh, am I feeling some kind of a way uh, why am I struggling with this uh, it ain't even your plant that you're dealing with uh, it's the people you've let have access to your field it's the conversations you keep having on the phone it's the people you keep inviting to your house I don't care uh, if they wear their skirt to their ankle uh, I don't care if they walk around uh, with a 20 pound King James Bible in their hand uh, I don't care if they can quote uh, the whole New Testament uh, backward and forward. Uh, if they've got bitterness in their life, uh, they're wrong with God. Uh, they're not a come on. Uh, and you shouldn't give them access uh, to your heart. How do you get access to the heart? By what you see in here. By what you entertain. Thank you. Sowing discord. God said, I hate it because it's full of deception. God's got people, new converts and, and people that are trying to, to be what God wants them to be. And you've got enough audacity to take your bitterness and your unrepented heart and start working those seeds, uh, trying to spread uh, the nonsense. I, I'm, uh, come on, I, I'm, I, I want to pray, uh, God judge you, uh, but I feel like uh, I need to be like Moses, uh, who, who was, uh, uh, come on somebody, uh, who was able to, to pray for Miriam. Uh, when God said, I'll strive. God got to help me practice meekness. Because I want God to bend you over his knee and beat the, There's lots of things you could fill in right there. Here's, here's, here's what I want you to hear tonight. Here's what I want you to hear. When, when we cause division, we, we get all upset about people who commit fornication and adultery and some of these other sins. We get mad. We, we sit them down, deal with them, point it out. And I get it. It doesn't belong in the church. The scripture is very clear, very plain. But what if we started doing what the Bible says concerning those that cause division? Well, what if we really started doing what the Bible says about those that cause division in the church? What did the Bible say? The Bible says to mark them that cause division among you. Oh, it's quiet up in here now. You know what I would have to do? I would say, all right, cameraman, you're taking pictures of the preacher and the singers. I want you to take a picture of this person because they're causing division. Take a picture of this person, and I'd build a God's most wanted list. And we'd have to pass it out at the front door and say, if you see any of these people, don't listen to a word they got to say because they're causing division. Here's their phone number. If it shows up on your caller ID, don't answer the phone. Why? Because they're causing division in the church. Come on, somebody. The theology of the ground. You got to protect your spirit. And the thing is, they came to the field while they were sleeping. They didn't come while they were awake. They waited till they were in a vulnerable state of mind to bring their seed. 
Be careful of the people that are attracted to you in your times of vulnerability. Be careful of the people who rush to your side when you're going through a hard time and they were never there before that. Come on, somebody. Because that's how uh, sowers of discord work. Uh, they seek out people uh, in vulnerable condition. Uh, don't, don't, come on, you better be careful uh, who's attracted to you when you're angry. Uh, you better watch for who's attracted to you uh, when you're upset. Uh, you better be careful about who's attracted to you uh, when you're discouraged, uh, when you're having a difficult time. Uh, come on, somebody. careful about who's putting their arm around you because they might not be consoling you they might be killing you oh yes the bible says you know what you need when you're angry when you're bitter when you're mad the last people in the world you need to spend time around are people who are going to sit down and pat you on the back and empathize with you Oh, Sister Delisha, really? They said that? Oh, they shouldn't have said that. Oh, what, what else did they? Oh, my goodness, really? Tell me so much. Oh, my Ooh, they And they're supposed to be a leader in the church? And they're supposed to be, and they sing in the choir, and they teach. Oh, my goodness. You know what the Bible says? What a real friend does? A real friend would say, Sister Delisha, I know you're hurt. I know you're upset, but that's not how we handle people. Come on, Sister Delisha. We got to learn how to get on our knees. We got to learn how to forgive people. Why? Because sometimes we make mistakes, Sister Delisha. Sometimes we're not perfect, and we don't want to hold people accountable for things that we want God to give us great. Come on, why don't we pray together? Sister Delisha, I love you, but you're wrong, honey. Let's pray. That's a real friend. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful come on find you some friends that'll look you in the eye and say brother Hammond you can't make it to heaven with that kind of attitude you can't say you love God and hate your brother come on brother Hammond you're too anointed to get stuck here you're too come on you gotta have some real friends in your life Hebrews 12 and 15 says this. Looking diligently. Come on, music. Give him some hope. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Listen. And lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And thereby many be defiled. You've got to be careful what you allow to grow in your heart because it'll choke out the seed of God's word. It'll eventually kill everything that God is trying to do in your life. Let's stand and I don't have time to preach all of this. Here's what the Bible says about the fourth variable. The fourth variable the Bible calls good ground. Tell your neighbor, good ground. And he describes good ground as an honest and good heart.
that keeps the word. And he says the good ground will bring forth fruit with patience. Matthew says some 100-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. The theology of the ground is that God's sower, God's seed, the sun are all fixed objects in the parable. The variable is the condition of our hearts. And you and I have a personal responsibility to maintain the condition of our heart. You and I have a personal responsibility. There's been times in my walk with God, I've had to get down to an altar and say, God, I've let some things become callous. And so God, I'm not getting up from here until I break up the stony places of my heart. God, I'm not getting up from here uh, until I repent uh, for the resentment I've been hanging on to. God, I'm not getting up from this altar uh, until my heart uh, is in a condition, God. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, God's trying to tell us uh, my word cannot be fruitful. Uh, the spirit cannot be fruitful uh, when the condition uh, of the ground uh, is stony. Uh, when you don't understand the value uh, and you cast it by the wayside. Uh, come on. Uh, when you allow your heart uh, to be a place uh, that's not maintained uh, and you've let tear and thorns grow up in your spirit I don't know about you tonight but I don't want to live in a place where God's trying to do stuff in my life and my heart is so messed up that I walk away with my understanding darkened and I stumble around in the dark blaming everything for why I'm in the condition I'm in. Pointing fingers at everybody else and everything else when really what needs to happen is I need to deal with the callousness that's in my heart. Really I need to deal with the stuff I've let build up in my heart. Come on, all over this house. Come on, hands lifted all over the sanctuary. Come on, I wonder if somebody would just say, you know what, God, I need to spend some time in the altar tonight. I don't care what nobody else thinks. I'm not trying to impress anybody with my self-righteousness. I'm not trying to impress anybody with an image I'm trying to hold up or a persona, a persona that I'm trying to project. But God, I need you to help me with my heart tonight. I need you to help me with the condition of my heart come on would you come tonight all over this house come on would you begin to lift up your hands uh, and lift up your voice uh, all over this sanctuary right now come on somebody come on somebody God I gotta take responsibility tonight uh, for the condition of my heart I gotta take condition uh, responsibility uh, for the condition of my heart uh, come on create in me a clean heart God Come on, come on, come on. I know it's Tuesday night Bible study, but God wants to deal with us tonight. God wants to talk to us tonight. Come on, God wants to. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus.
Come on in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. You've got to pray until those tears start to flow. Come on, you better pray until the dryness of your spirit begins to spring up in this house. Come on, you better pray tonight until you break through that hard shell. Until you break through the limitations of your carnal mind. Until you break through the resistance of your flesh tonight. Come on. Come on in Jesus' name. Come on in Jesus' name. Lord, make me whole. Come on in Jesus' name. Creating me. Come on in Jesus' name. Clean heart, oh Come on, I know it's Bible study tonight, uh, but somebody needs to spend a few moments uh, in the presence of God. Come on, God. Uh, let your word be like a hammer uh, that breaks the rock uh, into pieces. Uh, let your word be a hammer, God, uh, that breaks up the stony ground uh, of my spirit, God. Uh, I can't be what you've called me to be. Uh, oh, in Jesus' name. Uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, in Jesus' name. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Nobody else can pray for you. Nobody else can bring it to you. Come on, you gotta lift your hands. You gotta surrender your heart. You gotta lift up your spirit in the presence of God. Come on. In Jesus' name. Come on, come on. Come on. Come on, come on. Wash my soul. Lord, make me whole. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Create in me a clean heart. Come on, can we get in his presence tonight? Wash my soul. 